Okay, hello everyone and welcome to this special Debating Matters Beyond Bars podcast, which is being made as part of Debating Matters 20th Anniversary Programme 20 for 20. My name is Mo Lovett and I'm the National Coordinator of Debating Matters. Now, Beyond Bars is a project that takes our acclaimed schools debating programme inside prisons, where teams of inmates engage in debate with each other on a range of political, social and cultural issues. And it's really asking them to think about the world around them, i.e. Beyond Bars. Um, now, I'm delighted to be joined for this podcast by the Chief Executive of BOI Charity that runs Debating Matters. That's Jeff Kidder. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Mark. And also Heather Phillips, who is the chief executive of Beating Time, which runs a highly successful prisons choir. And she also runs Inside Job, which is an employment programme run by and for people who served a sentence, which has placed 240 people into work in the last two years. Heather is also currently High Sheriff of Greater London. So hello, Heather. Hello, Mo. And uh, last but by no means least, uh, John Floyd who first took part himself in Beyond Bars in 2015 and then went on to become a mentor to other prisoners and is a big advocate of the programme. John also sang in HMP Birmingham's choir and set up Inside Job with Heather whilst he was still serving his sentence. And as if that wasn't enough, he also set up a team of wellbeing navigators to prevent self-harm and suicide in prison, an initiative which has now been rolled out across 17 other prisons. Uh, John himself is out of prison now and working for Beating Time. So hello, John. Hi, Mo. Uh, now, John, you, as I said in my introduction, you've been a, a fan of Beyond Bars since you first took part in 2015. Can you tell us why you're such a fan and what kind of impact it had on you? Well, for me, it kick-started my journey of rehabilitation. I know you've got a problem with that word rehabilitation, but <laughs> it really did make me change direction in what purposeful activity I was doing while I was serving the sentence. Um, from then, uh, myself and a lot of the other men were asked to join the prison council. And then we, we sort of like, when we were doing that, we were trying to think about how we could bring about positive change, sort of like going down the path of active citizens. And then we started developing other initiatives. As you mentioned there, um, you know, I concentrated on getting other men into work and their well-being. Other men then went on to, to, to sort of like talk about, to, with lads about gang violence and try and get them away from that. And so everybody that was involved in that initial debate went on to do something else. Um, you know, it, I found it really positive and, you know, constructive way of, of passing time. Yeah, I mean, that's really great stuff. It's, it's good that it sort of sparked that initial kind of pathway for you. Um, and can you just tell us a little bit about uh, when Debating Matters came into your prison and how you got involved, how the actual project itself worked? They came in. Well, what we heard was that they made it a team thing. So it was the gym versus the library versus education. I myself was part of the, the gym team. And so we didn't know what to expect. And then uh, they gave us some pretty thought-provoking um, sort of like debates to argue about. Um, and they gave us the material to, to, to read around those articles. And what, you know, they helped us prepare and sort of like taught us. And what it taught us is not to take what you read for granted, to start thinking about the information and whether we actually believed in it, and basically thinking for ourselves, which is really important because a lot of a lot of men are in are inside because they've been exploited, because they, they you know they're very impressionable. So yeah, it taught us to think for ourselves. And some of some of the, the, the debates, I mean, some of the men were given they, they drew lots 
for which argument they were defending, which position they had to defend. And sometimes it wasn't. They had to defend a position that they didn't believe in and often contest another position that they were against. So they had to think how best to do that. And so it really sort of encouraged them to think about the other side's argument. And basically, it, they learned how to construct an argument with their voice rather than with their fists, if you know what I mean, and, um, and, and really gave them the patience to listen to the other side's point of view. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, that's really interesting. I think there is sometimes that frustration if you can't express yourself. And um, so I suppose debating that has probably helped a lot with that. But I also like that um, that point you were talking about. A lot of people get into prison life because they've been manipulated and they're easy led. And so so it gave them sort of a self-confidence, would you say, and a kind of self-esteem to think for themselves and a bit more yeah. agency. Yeah, I mean, some men were better at articulating arguments than others. But then what we encouraged, especially when I went on to Mensa the next year, we encouraged them to use the skills that they already have, you know, and, and, and some, for instance, there was somebody from the choir who actually was good at rapping. So he actually used his delivery in the, in the debate and it sparked, all, all of a sudden, you know, some people that may have been drifting off came back to life and we encouraged them to do that. There was another fellow that used neuro-linguistic programming. I never knew what that was, NLP. And he kept repeating the same line every now and again. Um, that was his thing, you know. So everyone was encouraged to to sort of explore whatever it is that they thought was their strength. And, you know, at, towards the end, towards the final debates, everybody was really up for it, you know, really passionate. That's brilliant. Oh, oh John, I, I can picture it now. I want to be doing it next week. But, um, <laughs> Jeff, where did the idea sort of originally come from? And was that the sort of outcomes you were expecting? I think debating matters has worked over the past two decades in schools, especially with sixth form, other colleges, and it's worked abroad in India, Israel, Germany, and it's subsequently worked online. So it's something that's a very versatile format where people get a chance to prepare and then present arguments on a whole number of contemporary issues, as, as John has described. And we were given the opportunity uh, a few years ago to take that into HMP Birmingham and, and also one or two other prisons too. And it was a no-brainer because uh, education is important. Rehabilitation is, a, is, is very important. And the opportunity for people to be able to learn skills in terms of debating, to learn about contemporary issues, and then to learn both that there's two sides to an argument and that in many ways you can argue against what you believe, but it's better that you know your opponent's argument better than they do. There's a whole number of things that are very useful. And as John is living testimony, you, you do this and then it has knock-on effects that you can either carry on debating to, through the years within the prison institution or wherever other setting it is. And the people who take part can learn those skills, which serve them in good stead uh, in, in the years to come. So for a whole number of reasons, we were given the opportunity to do that. And we were very glad to do so. And we look, we'll be very glad to do so again next year. Heather, I'm, uh, I'm really interested to know why you're not very keen on the word rehabilitation, but um, maybe you can kind of explain that a little bit. But what I really wanted to ask you is um, these projects, they, they, are, they are important to prisoners. Um, and, and can you kind of explain to us why that is and um, you know what attracts you to sort of these sort of programmes that give prisoners a chance to do other things other than serve their time? Um, well, on the, on the language side, 
Um, I don't like the word prisoner either, or offender, or ex-offender. So I think part of the thing that shapes all the discussion around prisons and, and criminal justice is a lot to do with language. So we always talk about people that are serving sentences, people that have served a sentence. Projects, I am, well, for a start, most of the things that are done to make people's lives better in prison are done by charities in the third sector. Um, there's very little in prisons for people that are serving sentences. So I went into a prison the other day, a, a famous prison here in London, and the only thing to do was fill uh, sacks full of sand for the army. That was it. There was nothing else. There was not even any education running. So the emphasis is very much on security, which you'd expect. But pre-COVID, men were in their cells for 17 hours a day. And this is the bit that people don't realise. Um, you're in your cell for 17 hours a day. During COVID, it was 23 hours a day. We've come out, the prison offices have left. They're really understaffed. So you're still in your cell for 23 hours a day. In fact, HMP Birmingham has just gone on to lockdown for 24 hours for two weeks. I don't know if you can imagine that, but you know, you're in a, you're in a space which is six by nine with another person and an open toilet. And things like your breakfast, you give them the night before, you see so you don't really eat the next day. You put to bed at six o'clock, even if you get out. Uh, showers are a privilege almost. It, it is a very, very abnormal way of life and becoming more abnormal. So from my point of view, every, and we know this about countries like Norway, Holland, that have much more uh, humane regimes than we do, and they have half the number of people in prison as well, by the way, that the more we can do to make prison-like society on the outside, then the fewer pe people hang on to their mental health, they hang on to their hopes, their dreams, their families, um, and all of that sort of stuff. So anything that we can do that's normal. So obviously we set up prison choirs is one of the things we do. Everybody's interested in the fact that we get people jobs afterwards. Well, that's great. But if you commit suicide in prison or you self-harm or you don't come out with your mental health, you are absolutely stuffed. So our choirs really are a mental health project more than anything else is because you, you get dopamine, you get serotonin, you get all these things when you sing. So you get it, and we're there every week. So you know every week you're going to get this safe space where you can come express yourself and be reminded who you were when you're not being locked up for 24 hours a day. And that's really important, especially given that if you look at the prison population, you know, you've got 41% excluded from school, 25% in care. Just take those two factors. You know, so many people in prison have been told, get out of my family, you don't belong. Get out of my classroom, you don't belong. So the fact that you're saying, come into my debating chamber here, you do belong. And that every week I'm saying, come to our choir, come and sing. It's your choir. Come and be part of this. You belong. That's massive because we know that one of the things that stops people going back to prison is having people around them that believe in them and that can remind them who they were. So that, that's huge for me, that social inclusion. And then the other thing, interestingly, I would just write it down that you're doing, that we're also doing, is not only do we obviously rehearse every week, but we perform. So we put the guys on stage singing in public. It's most people's worst nightmare, like public speaking for you. I think it's up there with death and divorce, actually, public speaking. And singing's even worse. But actually, once you face that fear, and you've stood on your back legs and you've and you sung in front of um, Johnston, in front of hundreds of people, it takes you to a different place. It's, if I can do this, what else can I do? Or what can't I do? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, something I mean, I think all of us got a little bit of that in, in, in the pandemic on a very minor scale of not feeling part of bigger society. And what I like about what you've described there, Heather, is you're, you're at once making people value themselves and their own contribution. But at the same time, they are part of something bigger, whether that be a choir or a debating team or or wider society. And um, that sort of makes me think, John, I mean, what are we what are we getting wrong as a society? What are we getting wrong about prisons and and that transition from being in prison to having done your um, done your sentence and come out again? I think we're not listening. We're not listening to many who serve sentences and the people that work with them, including the prison staff. And, and you know, touching on what Heather said there, with the two, you know, the debating and the choir singing, what that does, it does take men out of the comfort zone and it does make them perform, as you say, or speak in front of their peers and, and their family sometimes and potential employers. And it gives them a voice. And I think what we're missing in society now is that that voice of people that have served sentences because we're getting it wrong. We're getting it so wrong. We've got, we've got political parties that both agree, you know, to get tougher and pride. Well, the debate is, you know, in this country, men, we're, we're putting more men away for lo- and women for longer sentences, whereas the rest of Europe, the, you know, the prison population, they're d- diminishing. You know, so where's where's the voice to counteract, you know, and, and, and represent these other things as well, you know, like, um, you know, the mental health crisis at the moment. We're, we're using our, our prisons to house um, people that have got, you know, mental health illness. You know, they've come out of care. You know, there's a lot of drug problems. So there needs to be a voice of people that have experienced these things. And that's what I think the debating does. It starts, I myself started um, studying. After debating, I started doing a criminology degree. I'm not there yet. I'm getting there. But it introduces me to the concepts and the theories that, uh, you know, other, like, you know, the Scandinavian theory of, um, you know, I, I remember once in the debate, one of the judges made this, uh, it made everyone gasp because we were all sat there. And then somebody said, well, I don't believe people that um, the, the drug sentencing is wrong. He said he, he didn't think it was a criminal problem. He thought it was a social problem and a health problem. And so everybody looked around, what does this mean? But it's only since that I've, I've researched further that I know that, you know, there's different approaches in different countries. And, you know, and this is what the debating matter sparks. It sparks that interest that, you know, to go a little bit further to see, you know, what, what, you know, what, what do I actually really think? And then can I actually deliver that to other people? Yeah, I mean, that, that that's brilliant, um, uh, John. You've explained that really well. Heather, there must be some challenges associated with working in, in, in prisons and getting projects like this off the ground. How how can we, as um, a society, meet those challenges better? What, what are the good tips you've got for us for working in the prison sector? Just before I answer that, can I just pick up on uh, the question you asked John there, what do we need to do better? I think one of the things I never tire of saying, and this is me with my sheriff's hat on, is crime has been falling in this country as it has all over the West for the last 30 years. So burglary is down by 75%. Violent crime is down by 75%. And yet in that time, we have doubled our prison population. You know, we sent twice as many people to prison as the Germans do. So society needs to have a really good look. If we're, if, we, if fewer people are offending and we're doubling up our prison population, do we really want to spend money on human warehouses or do we want to spend it on looked after children that end up in prison? Do we want to spend it on smaller class sizes and not excluding kids from school so they end up in prison? So when people say to me, what do we need to do to stop reoffending? Stop sending people to prison, especially 
the most vulnerable in our society. So the challenges of working in prison mode. <laughs> no, that was very good. I liked what you said there because you were talking with such passion, Heather. Thank you. <laughs> um, and the, so there's no money. So you've got to raise all the money to do it yourself. So that's hard. That's that's at least, and, and nobody wants to give money to help people that have committed a crime scene so, or even care about getting them into work, to be honest. And as John said, um, the, not people aren't listening to um, people that have actually served a sentence. So you get the government all the time saying, you know, we need to be talking to employers or we need to get them going into prison so they can tell us what it's like. Why don't you just go down the wing? Go down the wing. Talk to the families of people that are in prison. Talk to the 320,000 children in this country who've got a parent in prison. Ask them. And they never ask the people on the front line. Um, and I am a really passionate believer that the people that are nearest the problem are the solution. Um, but yeah, there's no money. Um, so you've got to raise it all yourself. There's no staff. So there's nobody to let you in. There's nobody to organize anything. So you will have to get security cleared. You'll have to carry keys. You'll have to do everything yourself. Don't expect any officer support. Uh, probably best not do a risk assessment because you'd never pass it, um, which is difficult. Um, there's big gang problems. So you could have, we could have 30 men sign up for one of our, to make an album with us. But because of the gang culture, you know, in ISIS in London, they've got 150 plus gangs. So 30 can sign up, but only two can be in the same room together. So you end up expending huge amounts of effort for really small numbers of men. And then you think, actually, is this worth it if we can't actually get the 30 people in the same room together? You've also got the culture in prison, which even though there are a lot of amazing staff, I would say 10, 15 percent of the staff in prison do 100 percent of the work. And they are angels in the firmament. They are astonishing. But then perforce, because it's a prison, you've got this command and control culture and it spills over to everybody else. So, yes, you're commanding and controlling people that are serving sentences, but that spills in, out into the way the leadership deals with its staff. It spills out into the way that they deal with other people that are offering them things in prison. And so everybody gets very demotivated. Being commanded and controlled is not good. And you also get this, uh, we call it criminal complacency in prison, where just everything goes missing, doesn't happen. It's like working, actually the best example or analogy I can give you, it's, it's a bit like working on the moon. It's like 10.6 atmospheres, you know, everything floats off. You've no idea where it's floated to, if it will land, when it will land. And that's just working in prison. It's just terrible, really. Um, but then those little wins, you've got to really believe in those little wins, but also big wins. People like, you know, John and I had this conversation in HMP Birmingham two years ago about creating an employment agency for people that have served a sentence. We've now got five staff, you know, we're going to do 350 or so into work this year. It, it's credible. It's by the people, for the people. It works. And we, we do, we should pinch ourselves, actually. We should. Yeah, can I just say, that's what I love about the <laughs> matters. That is no holding back. You can get, get whatever you've got on your chest, get it off your chest. You can get it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's felt for yeah, and also, so you can get the occasional plug-in. But yeah, but that's what it's all about. It's about free speech, and only with free speech are you actually going to change things. Only by you know hearing what everybody thinks and and, and weighing up the pros and the cons, 
are you actually going to come to something that make a difference or not? Yeah, no, congratulations to you both. I mean, that's why I do what I do. I'm very, I feel very lucky, but um, you two uh, really do deserve a pat on the back for that. So well done. Um, Jeff, I just want to, um, uh, uh, Heather mentioned Angels in the Firmament there, and we've been lucky uh, this year, I know, to meet some really great people within the uh, the prison sector. Um, and we're hoping that Beyond Bars will be quite a large part of our 20th anniversary uh, programme. Can you, can you tell us what's next in store, Jeff? Yeah, and very much in the spirit of what's been said, the more, as you said, you have to raise all the resources yourself and find all the resources. And the more we get, the wider we think our projects, Heather's project, other uh, uh, important projects, that giving people these skills, the confidence that comes from it, the ability to uh, 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 do well in, in later life, all those things are, are, are key. And the more resources we all have, and the wider we can take it, the better. Yes, hopefully in 2023, which is just around the corner, we'll be taking Beyond Bars into a couple of uh, uh, prisons and to very much um, follow. I mean, I can't better John's description of what Beyond Bars does for individuals uh, and, and debating matters generally. I mean, lots of people from all different walks who've done debating matters put it on their CV, will say for years afterwards when they're speaking at a major conference somewhere, I couldn't have done this if when I was 16, I hadn't had the opportunity in school or in John's case, they were in a, in a prison and they had the opportunity to do it. So it is a life uh, a changing thing for, for some people, but for others, it's a really important uh, part. Uh, that's why we have an alumni network, very important part of their life. And so next year, we'll be taking Beyond Bars and the other forms that I've just talked about earlier, debating matters, uh, and, and the bonus, the legacy of the horrible lockdown um, is that we went online, we did various things online, so we can now talk about having competitions between schools in different countries um, and sort of bring those people together as well. Uh, and so the whole number of things we've got planned for next year We'll see where it takes us. John, I'm going to give the final word to you before we wrap up this podcast, because Jeff and I have been do, obviously preparing for the 20th anniversary. We've been reminiscing as well about some of the, the fantastic projects we've done over the last 20 years and what we might do in the next 20 years. But um, if you were to reminisce about your time working with Beyond Bars, what um, can you give us sort of a good memory or some kind of anecdote that always comes to mind when you think about that time? There were two things, really. I mean, for, for a brief spell there, there, there were, we, we were in the papers. You know, the stuff that we did in our prison was actually written about by Hugo Rifkin, the big commentator, as you know, is in Miranda Green. And so the other side of the... And I think, you know, what we did, we, we changed a few perceptions as to, you know, you know, people serving sentences, they can hold views and actually... They are sort of like groundbreaking views and, and maybe, you know, they should be heard. And, and just to, you know, you said a memory. One of the debates that we did, it wasn't actually a debate. It, it was actually a follow-on we took on Birmingham University. And I think the subject was, um, should there be a mandatory sentence for knife crime? Now, you'd think that men serving sentences might say, oh, no, hold on. Let, you know, let's have, have as many chances as we can. But we had to argue the other point. And actually, somebody in the audience actually felt compelled to stand up. He would, 
this was a fellow that we gave the chance to debate and he was like, no, 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 I'm not getting up there. We got first, everybody, no, they, they don't want to do it. He actually stood up at the end of the debate and he said, no, I wish there was a mandatory sentence. And therefore, the first time I got caught with a, with a knife, you know, I, I might have got, you know, I might have learned something because now I'm doing 13 years. So, you know, when he said, when he'd listened to the whole debate and he said that, you know, and all of a sudden, all the men in the audience were thinking there should be a mandatory sentence for carrying a knife. You know, it's, it's just, you know, it shows you that everything seemed to be black and white, but all of a sudden there was a grey area. Yeah, I love that. I love when those great grey area moments come to the fore. And also that thing, you don't even have to be on the stage doing the debating. Ideas, when they're, they're battled around between us, just take on a, a new life. And you're right about the free speech element as well. So, yeah, um, thanks for being so inspiring. That's absolutely brilliant. Well, look, I hope as well as the things that um, Jeff outlined before, we have an opportunity to work with you with you both uh, in, a, in our anniversary year. Um, and obviously, as Heather says, one of the many challenges is always with these things is getting the funding to enable us to do fantastic projects. So um, if you look in the description below this video, you can see a link. Um, you can see a link to Heather and John's projects and to debating matters. Uh, please do feel free to help us to do more of this uh, fantastic work. And thank you, Heather, John and Jeff for joining me. Thanks very much. Thank you.